0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? This is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Cuts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this man has been in the business now for the past... 25 years. You hear him on the radio weekdays from 2 to 7. That's the drive Toronto. And then you hear him again in the nighttime. That's Made in Toronto Takeover on Flow 93.5. You know what we have in the building today? We have Ricochet in the building here, today. Here, What's here. going on, my brother? What's
1: going on, my guy? I'm great yourself. I'm good. You just aged me there with the 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're in the age of
0: Wikipedia, in right. the age of Google. Yeah, there's so no anybody. Come on, bro. We know everything. the days are starting to pop up. It's all. You know what? That means you're actually doing something good. Yeah. That's why you're still here. Yeah. You facts, understand. Facts. All right. On this podcast, we like to take it right from the beginning. Right. Then bring it right up to 2021. I like that. First question for you is this.
1: Where do you grow up in the city and what attracted you to music? Good question. I grew up around uh, Keelan Shepherd. So, okay. You know, I guess, you know. West side. Yeah. West side. You know, yeah. Keelan Shepard, Jane Shepherd, Shepard, Jane mm-hmm. and Finch. Um and uh, what brought you, what brought me to the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else is there to do, you know what I mean? Two immigrant parents working mm-hmm. double shift, nobody home, mm-hmm. uh, running around in the streets, things can go left real quick, which they did, mm-hmm. you know, to keep it a buck, a bunch mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. Um, but I think it all started when I was like 12, man, like just watching Electric Circus. Um, I seen, it might have, you know we were talking about Mastermind yeah. off air, it might have been Mastermind or yeah. somebody I seen DJing there. And I was like, yo, that looks hella, hella dope. Yeah. Um, and then I, from that point on, I'm like, you know, I think I'm going to get this a go. Okay. So, you know, them time, they're like, Mom Dukes would give you uh, money to go buy bus tickets. <laughs> I'm like stashing that money, you know, doing like the, <laughs> the, the walk mm. to school, yeah. um, you know, and I saved up enough money, copped a few turntables, and there was a go. And, there was go- and what type of music were you playing back then? hip-hop 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 yeah, yeah what was the first
0: hip-hop record you heard and you said yo i love this right here wow
1: yeah. wow muscle mm-hmm. uh ah, that's a good question man mm-hmm. um eric b president maybe mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i think that was the first like what was this and then I don't know if it was before or after or maybe around the same time, uh, N.W.A., the, the Straight out of Compton album, like, had me. That was yeah. it. That was it. Like, yeah. uh, for some reason, somehow, I was able to have that LP. Okay. Like, I guess my mom was oblivious to what was going on on the record. Um, and that was just, like, I was like, yo, yeah. what is this? Um, it was the music, but it was also kind of like some of the things that they were talking about that I was seeing around my neighborhood that kind of, okay. I felt like, I mean, let's be honest, Toronto is not um, South Central Los Angeles right but yeah. some of the same things i was i was able to understand and see and i was like wow these guys are talking about it in a way that nobody's ever you know mm-hmm. expressing ex- that expressed way. It like that yeah. right express yourself right yeah. The yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah it was definitely you know one of those two mm-hmm. joints right there when you bought your turntables and you
0: said okay what was your dj name that you gave yourself back then
1: It was Ricochet. Ricochet? Yeah, from the very jump. Uh, I've had my name ever since I started DJing. Yeah. Since I was 13. And I've had my phone number since I was 13. Those two things haven't changed. And we were talking about that over DM too. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was Ricochet. I think I was in class one day and I was just bouncing all over the place, you know, from table to desk to desk. And Mm -hmm. somebody's like, this guy's ricocheting all over the place. And I was like, bomb. Yeah. I'm like, that's it. Because my name is Ricky, right? So it just makes sense.
0: You know what? That makes sense right there. Ricky, Ricochet, yeah, it works. You know what I mean? And it sounded hella cool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) What were some of your early parties? Did you play any of the school dances? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, definitely, I think that was, um, the first joint was, like, a middle school, Shouts to Aliyah. Um, Middle school dance, grade seven, Mm. maybe, grade eight, um, bringing the turntables, uh, going to George over at Tracks Shakedown, mm. getting um, some Sermon Vega speakers. I can't remember whatever it was. <laughs> um, and stringing up and, and playing the dance was actually the first dance I ever think we we ever did. From then, um, very quickly, you know, we linked up with my man AZ. So at that time, it was me and my partner, Juice. Okay, from the beginning. Yeah, me and Juice and AZ, for that matter, um, have known each other our whole lives. You know, mm. three, four years old. Um, still fam to this yeah. day. Like I don't even call those guys my brethren's or my friends. You feel me? That's family. family. You feel family, me? Family, so, bro. Um initially started with me and Juice. My my man's A Z had moved out uh from our hood out to the Rex. Mm-hmm. He was connecting with with um, you know, a bunch of guys out there. And uh he came back to the hood, he seen what we were doing mm-hmm. and he's like, Yo, let's make this happen. So the the uh high school dances turned into house parties and finch and palisades, Eddie Stone, Driftwood connections uh Maze, our Hood, mm-hmm. like, you know what I mean? Um just in that general area. Then the house party started turning into the West End. And then um, you know, like places like Joe bananas mm-hmm. Twenty Seven, um, there used to be the spot down on John and Queen called Corporate Club. Okay. It was like a loft. So we were doing we were very it's funny, man, because us being like a hip hop sound, we got our break in the dance hall scene. That's where you got your break. That's where we were in the dance hall scene yeah. for at least five years, easily, until I was yeah. 17, 18, mm-hmm. um, heavily, like, mm-hmm. you know, on those off days, too, like, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday. That's where the Joe Bananas and Joe in Bananas, those, you know, Mucky uh-huh. Mondays, mm-hmm. like, you know, wow. <laughs> them were that so it's yeah. like, that's where we were, and mind you, I had to go to school in the morning, and I'm trying to explain this to East Indian parents, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of the move, it went from high school dance or middle school dance to to house parties to to the dance hall scene yeah, right like the, and did you guys come up with ill kids right away or you guys go, went through a couple no, of man, i think we went, <laughs> I think we went by cavemen or something like that you know what I mean yeah. like the first six months mm-hmm. and then we were just balling up in the in the park smoking one day mm-hmm. and I think we were listening to uh maybe it might have been a big L record or something Mm -hmm. and we heard I'm an ill kid split way and I was like yo and we were just like that's it ill kids Mm -hmm. and it just kind of felt like it embodied what we were about for whatever reason. You know, the, the logo was kind of greasy in the beginning, too. A screw face you with a spliff okay, so that's that, So
0: that's the original logo that we've seen, the yellow, the yellow kind of. The yellow for. head, but there was mm-hmm. a spliff
1: in it in the mouth.
0: The original one. Yeah, the original <laughs> one had a spliff in the mouth.
1: And uh, I guess eventually yeah. we realized that, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. club owners yeah. and, and whatever are kind of like, eh. Mm-hmm. So we exed we, uh, out the spliff. Wow, kids. so you guys got your break. Back then, did you guys play along with Elite Squad? Elite Squad, for yeah. sure. Elite Squad was the, the guys to look up to from our hood, you know what I mean, from our ends. There, of course, there was Baby Blue and yeah. there was Mastermind and there was X, but really, um, for what we were doing, like, those guys felt like a real similar vibe, because mm-hmm. we both come from the same place, same situation. It was funny, I was talking to, a, uh, I think it was Pierre the other day. Yeah. Um, via DM and, and, and I was just saying like yo man you guys were kind of like the guys we looked up to and then quickly it was like yeah. looking up to to like a target on the back but yeah. not like in a <laughs> not in no beef yeah. thing just in a competition thing we're like yeah. okay like we look up to these guys but it's like yo we have to step up our game if we're gonna get to a place where they were like mm-hmm. it's cool um, and much love to Elite Squad by the way like one of my favorite sounds of all time out of the city like some of the Elite Squad dubs I heard in yeah. Fingas, but um yeah, like uh, we were playing with Elite Squad, Stray Dogs, yes. uh, Black Supreme, mm-hmm. Black Reaction. Um, man, I can't even remember some of the sounds that were around them times. But yeah, any any West End sound that was around, we were, we were there in the mix, you know what I mean? Doing your thing. Do you remember... The first time you and Elite Squad actually played together, yeah, you Corporate remember? Club. Okay, I was telling Pierre the story, be like, so we were mad young, fifteen yeah. years old. Juice mm-hmm. is a year younger, so 15, 14. So I think you're grade nine, grade ten. Them times. Mm-hmm. um, those guys who might be like eight years older, something like that, seven years older. And we're playing this dance at this place called Corporate Club, mm-hmm. and the man them bullied us, man, mm-hmm. like bullied us bad, dog, like to the to the thing where I was like, I just had to shrink sure. up and. You know, but it was a great lesson, Mm -hmm. the first lesson that I really understood, and it kind of stuck with us, um, for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. going forward, because we were on this thing like, yo, like, you know what I mean, we're we're from the streets too, like, Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen again, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, we're the youngins out here, like, you know, we're popping too, like, what's up, you know what I mean? Yeah. and then everywhere we went, man, like that was. I remember we went home that day and we're like, that's never happening again. Like we're st- right. we're, we're like we're bullying, man's now. Like mm-hmm. that's what's gonna go on. You know what I mean? And uh, and I think that's what, like you know, it kind of left a bad taste in other DJs' mouths and thing. Because okay. in this business, if you're not on a certain level, humble yourself and sit in the yeah. corner until I'm done playing, and then I'll yeah. let you know when you can play. You right. t- like mm-hmm. when it's your time, I will let you know. Mm-hmm. But you're not getting anywhere like that. Mm-hmm. You understand? you like you. I've seen enough. Man's just careers never went nowhere because yeah. they're just sitting in a corner it, waiting. It's a
0: it's a balance of humbleness and aggression at the exact same yes. time. But you have
1: to find that thin line yes. and walk. It. Back then, there it was it was more aggression than anything else. Mm-hmm. We took on this this uh, persona. Like I think around the same time, Mob Deep's um, album had come out. Mm-hmm. Um, the infamous album. Mm-hmm. and for better or for worse that took us on a whole different vibe. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like we engulfed ourselves in that whole lifestyle mm-hmm. um, some some negative things mm-hmm. came about that but we carried that vibe with us into the DJ booth too so if a man were like yo how much more records a man was like yo and I'll, I'll let you know I'm like yeah bro like uh-huh. I don't know what you think this is <laughs> but you're not letting me know shit at this point in time like you know a little juice will come through <laughs> yeah. with the bunks take a man's record off put the record on Fra- grab the mic and just want. Yeah. now that created a lot of ill will with a lot of guys back then mm-hmm. um, I think at one point in time guys didn't really like we were young as like who these guys think they are they, didn't, they gotta pay their dues a certain way but to, in our opinion we already paid our dues we're coming up like we, we're not waiting that for that I'm nobody. here Means uh, I paid my That's dues. it. I'm here. I mean? We're in the same um, venue. <laughs> I wasn't waiting for anybody to give it to us. We were just taking it. Mm-hmm. That was
0: the mentality. We're taking Crazy. it. Crazy. So then now, as you said, Elite Squad, they okay? They kind of roughed you guys up. When did you guys meet again and said, okay, now we're big men. You guys are big men.
1: It's on and pop it. Must have been at certain dances. Like, I couldn't even really remember the clubs we're at. But probably at some house parties or whatever where these guys started realizing. Um, I mean, you know eventually you realize like if somebody has the wave you you, you realize and you accept it and you're mm-hmm. like yeah um you know we we we're going to we're, we're going we're gonna to be on a level so you know we played a bunch of dances and and it was just respect from that point in time i guess really you earn the respect when you when you do your thing yeah right like and when somebody sees you do your thing and they're like okay like whatever i thought or whatever God it me. was like these guys are doing their thing like they're on you know what i mean i think those guys kind of seen Maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm reaching. Maybe I'm not. Like they seen something you know in us that they seen in themselves, right? So um, they were a tough sound to be around though. I'm, I'm gonna be on, honest, girl. b. They were a tough sound to be around. It wasn't no buddy buddy thing <laughs> like. It was it was it was tough love if yeah. that if that's the the way to explain it you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And at that time,
0: what rappers were hot in the city at that time when you guys were really in the up city?
1: It, yeah. it, it was weird because not a lot, right? Like mm-hmm. you we're coming off the late '80s, early '90s, so we're, we're, we're coming off the Maestro Fresh West, the Mishy um, that whole vibe. We're starting to see the rise of Ghetto Concept. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the rise of. Um, oh man uh, Citizen Kane mm-hmm. we're starting to see what's happening in the east with, with Socrates and Jacques Claire Cardi starts bubbling real quick um, and it's just kind of the infancy or the, the birth of this the next generation the next scene of Toronto mm-hmm. um, you know so it, it was a bunch of those guys but I think we were luck- looking a lot at like the Rex with, with G.C. man shouts out to Ghetto Concept those are my guys you know what I mean um and I think it was those guys we were looking at. And we're like, okay, these are the guys that are next, right? Mm-hmm. So those are the guys that you know we were trying to connect with. And, and very early on, we took the uh, the model of if we're gonna do mixtapes. We're going to do what they're doing in, in the States, in New York. And we're going to draw for artists and do our own, not per se dubs, but like- Exclusives. Exclusives, right? Freestyles. Freestyles, yeah. whatever you want to call clue, it. It's the Ron G model. That's yeah, the model that... you know what I mean? Um, and it went from being in my bedroom, mm-hmm. um, recording all of a sudden to being in a studio real quick and really recording on like that tapes. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and kind of taking the thing real real serious. What was your first mixtape you guys put out? Ah, uh, Welcome to Our World, maybe? Yeah. I posted something on the ground the other day. It was an ad in Mike check. So yeah. we might have put out mixtapes prior to, but this was the mixtape that we printed in mass uh, amounts, packaged, shrink-wrapped, yeah. ran ads for, and just, like, flooded the city wherever we mm-hmm. could, like, to get these tapes out. So that was the first official tape, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. And at this time, was the rules where Juice was a DJ...
1: You're the MC and no. AZ was the promoter? No, no, no. no. Okay, so, talk to me. me and Juice. Yeah. DJ and MC. Okay. So, when one's DJing, the other's MC. Okay. So, Juice could MC also. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, uh, things at changed that it. At, at that, that time. time here, it was yeah. what it was what it was. I, yeah. I was like, "Nah, I'm 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 a DJ." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I wasn't an MC. I, like yeah. I didn't, I didn't I haven't even at that point in time, I hadn't even found my voice like that. Okay. You know what I mean? I don't think the confidence was there. I think that mm-hmm. came a little as I got a little older. Um, I started getting really tall and shit. Yeah. Like, that was the one thing about Ill Kids is me and Juice are, like, 6'4", mm-hmm. 6'5". Six, six, yeah, so you guys are tall DJs. Big guys. Yeah. So as we started becoming men, mm-hmm. the confidence came. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So me and Juice, DJ and MC, um, and then an AZ management promoter, mm-hmm. um, if you want to call it. Because he was the dude with all the plugs. Yeah. You know, he was plugged in with everybody. So he was really uh, very instrumental in, like making shit happen for us, Mm -hmm. getting us into places that we probably wouldn't get in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then um, I think as things started getting real busy, we realized on the MC tip, we're both half-ass MCs. (laughs) Right, because we're trying to do both. And um, I don't know how we decided, I think I was like, all right, like I think we said, you know, my voice was a little deeper, it was a little whatever, and they're like, okay, you're gonna MC. Yeah. So I took on the role as a uh, of MC. because when you're in the sound, so everybody has to play their role. Of course. Yeah. yeah and and so I mean- um, and Juice was just mod with the DJ thing. Like, yeah. if anybody was around them times, you know, we we took a, a lot of inspiration as well from a guy named DJ Tab. Shouts to Tab. Of course, Tab was right. crazy. Mod. So crazy. at the end of the night, you'd see Tab yeah. with like a, a shitload of records not in the sleeves. Yeah. And he was running through like yeah. gang loads of records. Yeah. So like hand kick a pre. We were like, yo, these these guys are like, that's the kind of vibe we're on. We're running through shit. Because if you're in a dance hall party, you only have 15 minutes set, yeah. Hey? Like, <laughs> yeah, It's a quick set. <laughs> <laughs> it's dance hall for 90%. And then, then hip hop comes on, you better shell it.
0: And, and if you, the you dance don't shell show. it, yeah. they're
1: going to let you know. You feel yeah. me? So that was kind of the way we took, you know, we're like, okay, let's in shell mode. Let's mm-hmm. get as much records out as possible in this 15 minutes. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Juice eventually became where Juice was the DJ, I was the MC, and then AZ was the manager.
0: Ill kids are doing your stuff now. So when did the mixtapes really take off for you guys?
1: Yeah. So that first mixtape, uh, Welcome to Our World, or Famous for Negative Reasons, it would have mm-hmm. been one of those two ones. Because mm-hmm. uh, we were called the infamous Ill yeah. Kids uh-huh. at one point in time. <laughs> oh, to, to Mob Deep. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think it was those two mixtapes uh, really started opening things up for us. Like, you know, very quickly we were touring Canada while we were still in high school what? Um, things happen really yeah. quickly within about a five or six year, five year period. From 13 to 18, things move really quickly. Why did it move so quick, especially at this time? There is no internet. So how no. did things get moving so quickly for you guys? Um, I think at that point in time, we're looking at Scratch, Baby Blue, Elite Squad, um, X, mm-hmm. Mastermind, a bunch of other guys, but there was nobody coming up yeah, that really had a wave. And ev- like we, came, we come from a, you know, a neighborhood where we in the streets like we're yeah. in the streets you feel me so I don't think nobody was representing that either mm-hmm. and there wasn't a voice for the streets so everybody was kind of jiggy in a dance with khakis and button up and <laughs> square fronts and all that and we're yeah. coming in AVs Dewey's you know what I mean? Like, fuck your dress code and type look shit. Looking the world 100%. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We're, we, look, we, look like, like we look like where we came from. Yeah. Like, where everybody in our hood looked like, we look like that. And yeah. when we went to the club, we looked mm-hmm. like that, too. Like, you know, to this day, a man mm-hmm. told me, like, oh, you can't wear in the club. I'm like, I don't need to be working here, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not even having those talks. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so it was just, I think we embodied hip hop at that point in time we embodied the Mob Deep's the Wu-Tang's the Ready to Die the Biggie the Reasonable Doubt that's what we were on not to Mm -hmm. say other people weren't on that but the big sounds with the exception of Elite Squad like Baby Blue was the total opposite for sure they were the Pretty Boy sound Mm -hmm. right and we were the Gully sound and I think uh, us being that and and as Elite Squad was kind of moving on or out of the business, we just happened to step in and mm-hmm. coming from where we're coming from. Like, Jane and Finch, Keelan Shepard, like, really got behind us. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then with AZ being in the Rex. Rexdale's behind us. So you guys have that whole west side. Yeah, that whole Super west side smash. and we were smashing shit. Like yeah. we were doing things that nobody was doing. Like we were smashing dances like yeah. literally flattening shit. I was surprised at the end of the dance. I'd be like, "Wow," you yeah. know what I mean? And I think the talent with the the marketing and, you know, and the marketing was very important. We put a lot of emphasis on how we looked. Mm-hmm. And at that point in time, not a lot of people were doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, Baby Blue um, had that vibe, but, like, they were on a pretty, you know... on on a, They know. weren't on the goalie side like how yeah, you guys are. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we put a lot of emphasis on marketing and mm-hmm. getting it out there. And, and, you know, we were running ads in, in, in um, at a very young age. We yeah. were running, like, AZ somehow. Uh, got it, got it, got, like, a barter situation right. where we were running ads and mic check. And then we decided one day we're, like... We're just gonna like wrap a bus.
0: Listen, you beat me to the punchline, boss. This infamous bus. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> Listen, if you were in Toronto Carabana time, this bus, everybody seen this bus yeah, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Yeah, especially caravana times. What? Okay, so you guys had it before Carabana? Cause I know whenever you see that bus around, it's you know Carabana it's caravan. But yeah, like a uh, week out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Start getting it bubbling and whatnot. What was
1: the thinking behind that? Don't walk me through you guys getting a bus, boss. Again, like, how do we do things, like, who, like, what's? what can we do differently? Like, we never thought of ourselves as DJs. We thought of ourselves as artists. You understand? Smart. So we're like, there's no difference between us and somebody signed to Def Jam. Like, mm-hmm. we're the same shit, except we don't rap, we DJ. Yeah. And I think we could have very easily been rappers, too. Of course. You know what I mean? Um, it just, you know, there wasn't no bread in it at mm-hmm. that point in time. Yeah. And the bread was coming really fast and really quick with the mixtapes and the dances and everything at a young age. You know what I mean? I was like, wow, like it's better than it selling dope. Like, You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like, how do we make this even bigger? And and I can't remember how it came up, but we're like, yo, it's going to run us about 10, 12 bands. Uh, and I think what we did is just one Carabana. We took all the money that we made and put it right back in. We just invested in ourselves. Yeah. And we're like, how do we make a stamp? We're going mm-hmm. into Carabana, which is predominantly uh calypso and soca oriented there's not a lot of dancehall going on not a lot of room for hip-hop so it's not like you can go down which we did we still were you know managed to have our float and run tune but like how do we make a bigger impact because yes people are going to forget that you played on the on the parade route but people are not going to forget that bus that big ass 52 55 footer bus with with the logo wrapped and our pictures and all that shit wrapped around it um and then when we busted out, like, I remember bringing it to the hood was one of the most proudest <laughs> moments of my life. And, like, you know, letting my mom and dad yeah. see that this is what's going on. Like, it's a this real thing. For us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just we were like, okay, when we did it the first year, it might have been 96, maybe. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little later. Um, maybe a little earlier. But, like, we realized that this was the move. So, you know, we took a lot of years of inve- reinvesting in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, to make that bus happen, but that even that put the stamp on the thing. Like it was like, yo, these guys are not. These guys are here to really, you know, do it. Not playing around.
0: That's probably one of the most legendary things you. Could, when you think about Carabana you think
1: about that bus that if you're in the city that's when that you're is definitely your one thing when I buck certain man's on the road they're like right. yo the bus <laughs> fam the bus you know what happened to the <laughs> bus and I'm like yo it's parked <laughs> up alright <laughs> 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 uh, yeah though, but that definitely helped us move forward and, and gave us our vibes so. mm-hmm. right there and did you guys actually put people on the bus or it was just a straight ah, nah, promotion? Ah, no, 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 it was people on, there was yeah. shit going on on that right. bus. <laughs> 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 Those some of the best times of my life on that bus, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we had we had the whole gang with us on that bus. Like, all the man and, you know what I mean, shorties and shorties and whatever. And we also, the way we finessed that bus, it was yeah. like a, uh, you know how um, uh, a band or whatever would have like an extra pass, permit mm-hmm. for like a, uh, uh, like a bus that carried the water, or yeah. like a truck, it would be like U-Haul truck that carries yeah. the water and all the supplies. We're like, "Yo, we'll do that."
0: Yeah, you
1: know what I mean. Cry, we'll yeah. do that because yeah. we're not, we're not like. How else are we getting on the route? So mm-hmm. we would just finesse it We're like we'll put the water for whatever band. I can't remember who we were with them times, but we yeah. just put the water and shit. And if you know some of the some people that are playing mass wanted to cool off for a little bit and catch some air conditioning, they can come on, which was fine with me yeah. because. All of a sudden, the Gallim were on the bus jamming with the man in two. So it was just a good old time, you know what yeah. I mean? And we would have a float where we were DJing on, too. So, like, you know, it was just a, a, whole, a whole vibe for a good 10 years, 15 years. That's how long you guys were running that bus for. Yeah, I think we ran that from, like, uh, mid-'90s till about, I think, the last time— uh, we ran it maybe 2010. It was a scaled-down version of it at that yeah. point in time. But it was like, okay, it's yeah. the last, maybe 2010-ish, yeah, yeah. the last Fura. That's so crazy, that, that bus there. And were you guys actually
0: promoting your own parties at that same time? You're also a Caravan weekend? Or you guys were just, your thing was get on the
1: bus and market? It was get on the bus and market. Um, it wasn't until a little while after, until I linked up with uh, Chris from BMW. Mm-hmm where he kind of took us under the wing, because AZ was more management than mm-hmm. promoter, although he did do a few dances here and there, but he was more a businessman than a, than a promoter. And then we hooked up with Chris, and he mm-hmm. kind of put me onto the vibe of like promoting. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, I had linked up with Uncle B yeah. a little bit too, um, and it was like that's when we started like, hitting the all-ages scene really heavily okay. and like putting on you know dances. But usually on Carabana, um, the dances that we did didn't come around until we started owning our own club and shit. You know, it was always just like playing for other people, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you guys took it as I said, the bus. I
0: know that you guys were involved with some parties too, and even club. What was the club that you guys were involved with? So it
1: was originally Karma, where I was a, a marketing manager there, and then it went bankrupt. Yeah, and then the opportunity came to just buy the club. So uh, a couple and of this us, is the one out by the airport. That, and yeah, right now I In guess the, the DoubleTree right yes. now. Yeah, yes. Dixon yeah, Dixon and and Martin Grove there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big-ass club, right? Mm-hmm. It was like 20,000 square feet. It's huge. It used to be a movie theater. Yeah. Um, so karma went bankrupt, and the opportunity arrived. And I'm like 22, 23 years old at this point in time. The uh, opportunity arose for us mm-hmm. to to buy the spot with a few other folks. And we're like, yo, if we're really going to up it, yeah. that's the way to do it. And we just went in, and we ran that for about mm-hmm. two, three years until the Hilton came around and, and mm-hmm. bought us out. And that was a game-changer, right? That was like... Mm-hmm. Who's doing this? Yeah, like we had never seen anybody, any of our peers do this, and not, I think that was some a of the DJ motivation. Were even
0: a because club owners were usually some people from. You don't know them. You're right. not really cool with them. They were from
1: where we were from. They didn't look yeah. like us. No. You know what I mean? It was right. we were playing by their rules. And I yeah. think that had a lot to do with it. I'm like, you know, I think we're sitting there like, yo, we're sick and tired of playing by other people's rules and mm-hmm. other people telling us how we should conduct our culture. Like mm-hmm. how we should play and what songs we should be playing and how we should dress and yeah. how we should run things. And I think the only thing that made sense is like we just got to do it ourselves. And that was always the mentality of ill kids. Mm-hmm. All right, you don't want to put us on a big dance? We'll no go problem. It. We're doing the big dance. You don't want to put us on it? No problem. We're putting ourselves on the on the, on the the bus, on the parade Man. route. And it was just like a do-it-ourselves mentality from the very jump. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that, that's where the nightclub thing came in from. When did you guys get involved with the radio? Early. Yeah. Mad early. Um, so AZ was volunteering at CHRY, which is now Vibe 105. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I was in grade 10, 11, um, and then the opportunity came to do the overnight show. Mm-hmm. I think it was Wednesday nights, 2 to two a.m. to 7 a.m. Uh, and then I think Presto and D.O.C. seized Island Explosion. Yeah, it was Wednesday night because Island Explosion was it was in the morning time. Mm-hmm. And he's um, and like, listen, like, we can get on radio, but it's like the night shift. Mm-hmm. And we're like, yeah, whatever. Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? And literally, that was a real hustle because none of us really drove. AZ was out in the Rex or you know where he was mm-hmm. we were still in the hood so we would literally like take a shopping cart load because you had to have crates these times eh? you had yeah. to have crates dog and we're rolling into yeah. the radio station with three big recycling bins you know what i mean or two at the very least mm-hmm. so we would take the um, iga shopping cart <laughs> bring it up 10 flights in the yeah. elevator load up the records bring it down take it to the bus stop Unload it at the bus mm-hmm. stop. Mask the, the thing because you need that when you get back. <laughs> Otherwise, you you know what I mean. Um, Mask the, the 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 shopping cart. Yeah. Hop on the bus and take the 106 to York University. Um, that's what the hustle was like. It was like whatever you know, yeah, any means and necessary. Yeah. And then take those crates to school. We went to school at Jeffries, mm-hmm. so we take the 106 back to school and then find a place to put the records. Eventually, they let us put it in the office. Eventually, it ended up being we got we went from overnights to mornings 7 to 10 mm-hmm. somehow my mom and me convinced my teacher to give me a credit <laughs> <laughs> because I would miss I would yeah. miss the, um, the, first, the first period the first period mm-hmm. uh, end up getting a credit for it because it's a volunteer situation right yeah. it's kind of like a co-op thing and then they just let us in you know, they would hold our records at the end of the day and then end of the day pack up the records back on the 106 mm-hmm. go find a shopping cart go load up the cart <laughs> bring it back to the building see? like that was that's, awesome that's insane to even think
0: when you look back Do you really realize what the hell you guys were doing back
1: then? No, I've completely forgotten half of this until me and you were having this conversation, (laughs) to be honest with you. Like, I mean, it's buried back there, but... Mm. I just can't see people doing it. We're, we live in different times. Youngins, mm-hmm. these times, they're having their way. Money's mm-hmm. right. Like the internet's around. Like there's no excuse there's not no to excuse. get money. You can get money. Back yeah. then, it was a little tougher. You know, you had to get money different ways and yeah. it wasn't as easy, right? So, I mean, we didn't end up getting a car until our late teens. Mm-hmm. And uh, that obviously changed things, made things a lot easier. But like we we're just relying on AZ to come scoop us and do what we had to do as youngins. But yeah, like, nah, I just can't picture that shit mm-hmm. people doing that shit now that's wild and when you guys were on the radio what was everybody's role who was doing what on the radio so I was primarily the on air um, Juice was obviously mixing mm-hmm. and then uh, we would all get on air at times and then okay. AZ was kind of overlooking everything mm-hmm. at that point in time you know what I mean so um, that was the vibe for, for a long time until I think all of us started kind of things got really busy mm-hmm. you know we are touring we are playing out five six nights a week yeah and then slowly, one by one, everybody started dropping off the show. And it was me by myself, finally. And okay. like the last one standing. And I think, yeah, even for me, um, you know, the nightclub had come around and I was like, all right, this had run its course for me. Like everything we were going to do on radio has been done. At least that's what I thought at the time. In hindsight, I probably would have stuck around mm-hmm. and, and kept it, um, kept doing it. But it was just it came to a point where it was like things just got too busy and we let the radio go. How long were you guys on air for? Uh I would say we were on air from when I was sixteen to twenty two, I wanna say. So a good six yeah, solid yeah, six yeah, years. Yeah, good six years. And you guys were owning a club yeah. in your young twenties. Twenty two is when, yeah. Twenty I was twenty two when we bought the club. That's insane to even think
0: about something like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was like when I when I think about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But in, in hindsight, yeah, it was kind of crazy. You know what I mean? It wasn't cheap. I don't even know how I got the bread together. <laughs> I got it together, you <laughs> know, to make it happen. You know what I mean? But, yeah, no, it wasn't cheap. We're doing that plus the bus and, and all that. And we're bringing in, you know, acts. and. But it was the only way. Like, that was the only way that we were pushing forward what we wanted to do. Like, I'm being honest with you. Like, at that point in time, Baby Blue was in, in our, like, crosshairs. Yeah. Because um, you even said
0: touring and stuff because you're the ones that toured.
1: They put out albums yeah. and stuff.
0: What was your first tour like? As ill kids. Now you guys are really coming out of Toronto. Because remember, in in our mind, everywhere in Canada is exactly like Toronto.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah. Right? (laughs) You understand. No internet. Yeah. No internet. So Mm -hmm. um, how do people hear about you? Yeah. It was just, we were doing our thing. And I got to give it up. Baby Blue really opened up the door. Okay. For touring. Mm -hmm. And for big money touring, Mm -hmm. too. We're not like, because we were able to go in just a little under Baby Blue and they were paying. Okay. You know what I mean? Um. But I think, you know, Baby Blue was touring, and I think that led a lot of people to say, like, what else is going on in Toronto? Yeah. And I think because of our marketing, because of the bus, because of the radio, because of other things, um, you know, it got promoters curious. And shout to my guy Vince out in Edmonton, because he was the first guy to line it up. And it's a crazy story, because we were going to be gone for what I think is, like, almost 10 days to two weeks in the middle of the school year. Yeah. Um, You know, I come from an East Indian family. Um, Juice is Jamaican, so it's like, our parents are not like about that shit at all. At all, at school mm-hmm. is what is important. Mm-hmm. Um, somehow, though, I convinced my mom to come to school with me and she convinced the principal to take me out of school for two weeks to do this, which the principal was not feeling, right? They're yeah. like, yo, what is this? this what is this hip hop shit? Like, mm-hmm. this is crazy. But my mom believed in me. My yeah. mom, from the jump, really believed. I think her thing was, this will keep my son out of the streets. And it did, for the yeah. most part. Yeah, You know what I mean? There was some flip-flopping here and there. It took me a while to realize that I don't need to be in that. That's not my thing. Yeah. Um. But I think that was her thing. She had seen, obviously, she sees what's going on around us. Uh, she knows that she's not home. My dad's not home. And she sees me coming home, and I'm in the bedroom. Yeah. She's like, and I'm just... DJ, me and Juice just making yeah. mixtapes. She's like, how long you guys been here? We're like, yeah. I don't know, six, seven hours. Do you guys eat? So she's mm-hmm. seen, like, okay, this they're in the house. They're doing something positive. So my mom mm-hmm. believed in in the whole vibe. I think she may, I don't know how that went down. AZ might have convinced Juice dad, that. But, um, you know, we had to get written uh, permission to <laughs> leave school. And we hit the road, yeah. man. We hit, I think it was Alberta and BC at first. And what was that like actually going on there for your first time? Vibes, B. Yeah. I was feeling myself heavily. Um it was interesting because nobody talked or looked like you in those ends. They had their own things going on, right? Because how far is Toronto from Calgary, or Edmonton? Buddy, That's you can't drive there. You no. have to fly. You have there. to fly yeah. there, right? And never mind, you have to pay like three, four hundred dollars just to bring Girl, your records. Crazy! I don't at that time. <laughs> yeah, no. you got to bring. You got to. Your record is a whole yeah. next <laughs> airfare. So there's four airfares yeah. going to these places. Um, but it was vibes because people were so interested. To, to know what was going on. like the way you talk the way yeah. you dress the way you carry yourself is different you know what I mean it's that Toronto vibe and that was only Toronto at that point in time mm-hmm. um, so I mean it was mind blowing it really gave me insight to know that this is a real serious because this is before we own the club this is I'm talking like 16, 17 years old um, and it really made me realize at a very young age that yo this is it yeah. Like school's cool I'll finish school That's what my mom wants to do I'll try to do some post-secondary But like I've already figured out What my career is gonna be I found something that works Found something that works And that I'm making money Yeah Like I'm making pretty good money At this age uh, I'm making just as much money As people who have full-time jobs And are adults So This is, crazy. This is something that You know my mom seen. The bread was coming in Everything was legit and I realized off of that tour, I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm not, this is, nobody's taking me away from this path. This is what yeah. it is. And it was just like, great. You know what I mean? Like, it's just Things that come along with a tour. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you know, you know. Yeah, we're young and you know, it was yeah. big women coming around. I was just like, geez. <laughs> you know, you know, I probably lied about my age or whatever. But
0: remember, you're from Toronto, so you're from the big city. And it's either if you know it or not, they make
1: you know right away that, hey, you're not from here. Yeah. And we like you because you're special from right. the big city. Right, right. And that was the case. You know, uh, that was the West Coast. And then very quickly, Ottawa and Montreal mm-hmm. and Windsor and London and places mm-hmm. where you can get a car and drive yeah. like Montreal was real big for us yeah but Montreal's a party city so Montreal's then- a party city but we took advantage of that of mm-hmm. the fact that Montreal's a party city it's a 5 hour drive and we would shell like we had a real like i remember pulling up in Montreal and seeing a huge lineup and people being like because in Toronto you pull up to dance it's cool everybody's like yo kids there Ah." In Montreal they're like yo (laughs) you're excited you know what I mean and we really took advantage of that we really put some strong uh, shouts to Gary T Ricky D um, some of the real OGs out there who really believed in us and and, and made it happen so I think we quickly found that we can branch out in Canada and even spread our our roots even further Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what we did
0: crazy touring. So you guys at clubs, touring, crazy marketing, the bus,
1: everything. Did you guys actually produce an album or anything? We were working on an album. Yeah. We worked on an album. Uh It's funny. Somebody sent me the vinyl yeah. the other day. Uh We worked on it. You know, that's one of my regrets yeah. in life Um, is that we never took producing seriously. But it's almost, that seems like the natural step where you would go. It was. Um, But I think... You know, one foot was in the streets, one foot was in the club, and the negative shit that was going on was just taking us away from the things we should have been doing. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I should be, like, moving a certain way until I was 24. Something Mm -hmm. happened, and I was like, all right, man, Mm -hmm. I'm done with this. Like, you know what I mean? This is it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some other things happened with partners and whatnot. You know, people went away for a little bit and whatnot, and um, it's just like we never were focused enough, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um to get into the production side of things which is like I said one of my biggest regrets you know what I mean because you see now I think you know who knows that would have who knows what I would have been doing to this point in time but we worked on a on a couple of joints but the thing is we were perfectionists mm-hmm. and that hurt us bad we wanted our stuff to sound just like Biggie stuff we wanted our stuff to sound like Jay-Z and, and remember at that time to get that type of sound you need a huge studio and we were spending yeah. we were going into the big studios mm-hmm. and spending money yeah. and that was something as well we're like fuck man like Mm-hmm. I like making money yeah. and we're just and we put out a few records and at that point in time nobody had really made a lot of bread out of music out at of that music time right yeah. Baby Blue started making yeah. some bread with their deal but we weren't Baby Blue that yeah. was the reality you know Baby Blue was nice and polished mm-hmm. and marketable for the record labels at that point in time I mm-hmm. don't think they looked at us in the same way yeah. I think they looked at us like eh mm-hmm. you guys are a little too greasy right who did you guys record who did you guys put out some songs with uh Tef and Don. Mm. Tef. I haven't Bitt heard that Berg. name ever. Uh Blue Scorpion. Mm. A lot of Rex guys. Um I think we recorded something with Citizen Kane. I think mm. G C Ghetto Concept did something for us. Um it was just a bunch of a bunch. Of, I think the the main record was Tef and Don and Amy, this girl Amy. Mm-hmm. Um and we just kind of like we, I don't, I, I mean, we digged it, but I think we were like, this is not the sound, this can't compete with what's going on in America, and we just let it be. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think you know people realize that this is a thing until Drake busts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In them times, I'm a little older, and I started rocking with Belly and CP Records, and went that route for a good ten years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so okay, so you were in Ottawa, or Belly had came to Toronto at that time. Right? <clears throat> um. So that whole thing went down where uh, the stylus Awards came. So now fast forward, 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. we, the club is, is, is now gone. Uh, we're continuing to tour, um, continuing to do our thing, you know, five, six nights DJing. And then the, sty- and then the stylus Awards came around. Mm-hmm. And uh, we ended up winning a few years in a row. Yeah, And that's when my guy Cash we happened to be in the same room somewhere and he's like yo well, you know you should come kick it with us and, and whatever and at that point in time when Belly and Cash and Sal and CP Records came to Toronto from Ottawa it was a heavy thing these guys are pulling up heavy like big you know they were pulling up with Apple and Apple's kind of showing him around the city and we were seeing him and, and Belly had these big records with these big artists Like what now the heck, that's the guy God. where it's like yes Cardi was doing his thing mm-hmm. but now here's this guy Belly who's like they're really about their shit like, and especially out of
0: nowhere it's like hold on we're the big city how is this guy coming from Ottawa with all these crazy features, right. crazy videos? Like those guys were not doing going it through, out
1: there, right? They they're were, not going through a They um, were not like no factor. joke ting. Right? Yeah. Those guys are the real deal, right? So they were doing it. They were doing their thing out there. And they come to Toronto. I ended up linking up with Cash. And uh, it was just vibes. And then they kind of like brought us in as part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of where things also started straying for ill kids. Yeah. Because I had the vision of, like, I'm riding with these guys. And I was able to humble myself a little bit to know that, mm-hmm. okay, now I'm not the big dog here. Like, you know what I mean? I have to know my role here in the situation, right? Mm-hmm. Which is something that I learned around them times to humble and have some humility, uh, mm. humility. Humble yourself and have some humility. Prior to that point, we might have been a little cocky and been a little feeling ourselves <laughs> and doing wild <laughs> shit. Right. I get in, in, a, in, a, in a situation with these guys and I realize that this might be the move for the next a while. And i don't think everybody shared this at that point in time az had come he's like listen guys like after 20 years or whatever it was 15 years he's like i think i'm gonna fall back yeah. you know what i mean and then um i don't know if that was juice's vibe at that point in time or not and i just kind of continued on with cp records as myself so that mm-hmm. kind around that time it's not easy to maintain a sound like yeah. i think and i don't know i think we might have been the longest running hip-hop song in Canada.
0: For if you're going to put on those type of years, yeah, because yeah, Baby we, Blue wasn't
1: even really around that long. No, ago. we got up to like, no. I think we just shy of 20 years. maybe. Yeah, I don't know. 18, yeah. 16, 18 years. But I attribute that to the fact that we are family. We mm-hmm. weren't friends. Mm-hmm. We had known each other since kindergarten. Yeah. You know, babysitting in the same places. Like, you know, like, so I think that had a lot to do with it. But eventually, everything good comes to an end. Yeah. And we just, we weren't, we weren't on the same page. Um, I don't think you know I think we thought of things differently we wanted different things and it kind of got to a point where it's just like it wasn't fun anymore yeah and when you stop having fun together you gotta realize before this hurts your personal relationship Mm -hmm. let's just call it a day. call it a day. so me and Juice at that point in time AZ had gone um, guys had come in and out of the sound mm-hmm. uh, throughout the years. Okay. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it was me and Juice, right? Yeah. I mean, Trix was part of the sound at one point in time. Future the Prince played a hand in Ill kids, okay. while somebody dis- somebody was away for a little bit. Future yeah. filled you know, filled in some shoes and kept the sound going with mm-hmm. us. And Trix was uh, a secondary MC when we were taking double bookings. And he Didn't was a major part. Was yeah, a yeah, Trix was yeah. a big part of Ill kids for yeah. a better part of eight years, six years maybe. Um, future the prince as yeah. well for a couple of years kind of played a role in the sound here and there mm-hmm. um, but at the end of the day it was me and juice and you know we just figured at this point in time let's just call it a rap call it there. and when did we can get involved with the belly situation um it was, it was crazy i was at belly's house one day out in saga by square one and in comes the weekend and he had just dropped house of balloons and, um, you know, things were bubbling, but this is nah. before Drake had tweeted out about the weekend. Okay. And I think it was just... Because um, you know, Drake was hot already. I yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Right, Drake yeah. was on already. Yeah. Um, and we had a relationship with Drizzy as well. Like, he mm-hmm. was on a bunch of our mixtapes in the early days and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, you know, I really, from the first time I heard his, his mixtape, I was like, yo, this guy's gone. And we just wanted to involve everybody in the city to what we were mm-hmm. doing. Um but uh, when the weekend came in, I was just, I was just witnessed all this. Like, yeah. I really didn't have any play or any part in that. I was just around to see what was going on. At that point in time, I was Belly's DJ, I yeah. was uh, uh, Jordan's DJ, Danny Fernandez. I was just the the, D, the in-house DJ for CP. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, the relationship just, you know, just everybody understood each other. And they just vibed, especially B and Abel, especially Belly and Abel. They were vibing hard. Yeah. Um, and that relationship just took off you know You know, Cash just, just everybody played a part for that thing to come together and I think management at that time wasn't able to do what Cash and Sal and, 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 and CP was able to do so yeah. you know that relationship grew um, I had gotten married I think a little while after that mm-hmm. and I wanted to pull back a little bit and uh, everybody had moved to LA and CP turned into XO and I'm still like really you know cool with those guys that's the family over there you know what I mean did NAV get involved from earlier or NAV came in later? No, no, that was while I was, you know, back here in Toronto that happened Mm -hmm. with so I have nothing to do with anything of that. But okay. it's great to see him yeah. part of that. You
0: know what I mean? That's so wild. Just to, it's always the beginning stages are always the craziest. Especially when you look back when people got far, yeah, that's yeah. the craziest. There was, shit. <laughs> nights, <man. laughs> there was some crazy nights, man.
1: There was some crazy nights, man, at the studio and at Belly's house. I was able to witness a lot, and I'm grateful, you know, for that opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Crazy. So when did you now get back into radio? so um after the whole CP stint that ran from I think 2008 to 2016 17 18 okay so it uh, was it was a, it was uh, a 10 hot year minute. it was I was with those guys for 10 years um you know and that gave me opportunities to see places I never would imagine seeing like we were in Albania uh Romania Hungary Germany France uh, just places I never thought that, that this would take me. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were able to tour some in the States, Canada, Bahamas, you know, um, the islands as yeah. ill kids, but mm-hmm. we never thought of Germany or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, um, hooking up with those dudes, uh, especially with Masari, I was able to do that stuff. So, that was just like a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. But, um, That also took a toll on me because I was also touring as well. I think I was in Newfoundland uh, every Saturday or every third Saturday. I was in Montreal at that point by myself, too. Because you still have your brand still running. I'm still running as Ricochet and I'm still running as Ill Kids. So me and Juice had agreed that we can both use the Ill Kids brand as we want it. And I ran with it. Yeah, you know what I mean. I was like, I'm, I'm still going with this. Um, so I was still, I was in, I think uh, Montreal. Like at one point, I was in Montreal every Friday. I took a residency every Friday, so I'd fly in at like the last flight at ten. Yeah, and fly out on the first flight at like five thirty, mm-hmm. and we'd go to the poker house like after the club and burn three hours before I had to go to the airport. Yeah. Uh, and we were doing Newfoundland and then Vancouver and it was just it was and, and uh, along with Europe and I just found myself actually it's a crazy story I don't I don't think I really said this to anybody but. Mm-hmm. I found myself in a hotel room by myself. Mm-hmm. Might've been off of like two Mollies, like a bottle of, like God knows what. <laughs> crazy. Just crazy. And came off of Europe, came back to home, didn't really get to spend any time at home. I think I remember actually uh, Wifey giving me a new suitcase. I gave her the old one and I hopped on the next flight and I was gone.
0: That's crazy.
1: But that took a toll on me. When I got at, to the uh, hotel after the club, like, I was like, like I get now how you hear crazy stories about people take, taking their eye on shit now I didn't go that far <laughs> but, but you I, could understand I had a breakdown bro yeah. like I had a breakdown I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie like I was like yeah this is taking this is way too much for me now like this is at this point in time it had been like 23 years 24 years of drinking and it's just a yeah. big this is a one fucking long party yeah. like let's be honest it's two decades of just one long party That's nah, it's crazy bro uh, and at that point in time you miss out on things people mm-hmm. stop inviting you to things mm-hmm. right like birthday parties and because bowling because they, they figure you're, you're 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 either too cool or you're busy. Are you busy. Right. So I wasn't even getting to see my friends anymore. I'm seeing like social media is on now. So I'm seeing all the shit they're doing. I'm like, do I even have any friends anymore? Or is this a bunch of groupies around Mm -hmm. and like what's going on? And uh, I think at that point in time, I had made the uh, decision that I'm done. Okay. Like I got to come back home and I got to spend some time at home. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Luxie had come up, an opportunity for me to be a a manager over at Luxie and help them do it with, with what they were doing. So I had done that for the better part of four or five years, probably, and I had met Mastermind there. I had booked him for something. I and mean, him got to talking, and he's like, "Yo, like, did you go to school?" I'm like, "Yeah, I went to school for radio, you know." I was like, "Whatever." He's like, "You went to school for radio? Like, radio, radio?" I'm like, "Yeah, I went to Seneca for a year, yeah. whatever." He's like, "Yo, we're looking for somebody on the weekends."
0: Mm.
1: And it's crazy, man, because since the inception of Flow, like, we had always. Uh, Applied or tried to get a show there or tried to get on air. We figured that we deserved to be on that station. And it It just never happened for whatever reason. I don't think the people that were leading that station at the time, they were still stuck in their head of what they thought we were and that's what it was. But once
0: you're on the inside, you understand one thing that it all comes down to relationships. Oh, yeah. Everything. This whole business.
1: My whole career. The reason why... I, I'm at this part of my life and still in a club three nights a week and still being able to do shit is relationships 100% you gotta pick up the phone and, and talk to people you gotta, you gotta be in front of people's faces otherwise mm-hmm. in this business you don't exist if there's no relationships mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know it just had come up with, with mastermind and I'm like yo I tried to apply a flow they're not fucking me over He's like listen yeah. get me a demo I'll get you in the door yeah. at this point in time I've never been on commercial radio I've been out of radio for a better part of 18 years 15 years And I'm like, all right, let me give it a go. But being an MC, you know how to talk. You know how to So I was able to put together a demo, and lo and behold, they're like, all right, we're putting you on the weekends. Um, But shortly after, the station flipped to some old school station, to the move. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I didn't sign up for this. Like... It's not that I didn't love radio, but I love the culture. Yeah. I love the music. That's what which, I'm. Here which for. is the
0: new stuff. You you lived the '90s. You yeah. lived the old school. Now you're trying to live the new school at this point. Right? Yeah, not trying.
1: Mm-hmm. Not what? trying. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's crazy because yeah. a lot of people uh, don't embrace uh, the present. Yeah. Like oh it's this trap shit yeah. this is it's only shit. Biggie Biggie and those yeah, guys. what this is, this? is this? They're mumbling. Yeah. Uh, not me. Yeah, you know what I mean. I you love like hip hop. I like the shit. This is what I like. If I'm going out, that's what yeah. I want to hear. I want to fucking stand on a couch with a yeah. thousand dollar <laughs> bottle as well and and do dumb shit <laughs> and maybe regret it the next morning. <laughs> who knows? Um, but like you know, that's what it was. Yeah. Um, and the station had flipped, and I was just like, this is not my thing, so I fell back. And then when the station came back, mm-hmm. they called me and they're like, listen, we're going back to hip hop. Uh, master gave me a shout, the PD had given me a shout, and there was this whole inception of the Made in Toronto takeover. When I heard that, I was like, I'm sold. So they ended up giving me uh, a full time mm-hmm. at that point in time. So now I'm off of weekends, stations back to hip hop, and I'm on air like six days a week or five days a week or whatever it was at that point in time. Crazy. You brought it up, the
0: Made in Toronto. Yeah. What would you say are your five, no, let's break it down,
1: your three favorite Made in Toronto moments? Three favorite made in Toronto moments. Mm-hmm. Wow, B, that's tough. Um, you know, the interviews, you know, chopping it up with dudes. Um, Rochester was a good moment. Reason being is me and me and uh, Juice, his name is Juice yeah. as well, uh, go back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I was I was always a fan of him. So being able to talk to your friends on air is just good vibes. You know, so uh talking to him, uh chopping it up with nav. Mm -hmm. Um, because I think we're both uh, East Indian we both come from um, I don't know what you want to call those neighborhoods like I hate to say at-risk neighborhoods or (laughs) whatever the fuck we come from him coming from the racks. me you know coming from where I come from Mm -hmm. so and him being the younger dude right and being able to see like, did I ever think there would be an Indian guy rapping and be on like that? Crazy. And that's kind of aspirations that I think I always had in, in the back of my head for myself, yeah. you know what I mean? Because I was able to drop some bars when we were in the park and shit, yeah. you know what I mean? Okay. Um, But to see that, it was a really dope interview because A, uh, we all know the same people, right? And then B, we kind of come from the same background. So that was a dope interview. And um, and I think just one of the, uh, when the, when the takeover started, it started as a, a celebration of Toronto's birthday. So on March sixth, two thousand eighteen, we ran from. This happened for a few years before it turned into like a regular show, mm-hmm. um, where like from six in the morning till like twelve at night, I remember whatever it. it was. It was like from morning to night, mm-hmm. all day long. Yeah, we were just playing joints from Toronto, and people were coming in. So. You know, to have to be there and witness that and and be doing back to back interviews and the whole vibe and the whole appreciation of it. And for to see something special that's never been done, like no media, like major media outlet has ever given us that look. No. And I say us because, you know, I mean, that it was us. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be a part of that and to see that turn into a uh, daily show was probably that that third moment that was really special. Crazy out there. You spoke to a lot of Toronto
0: rappers in the Made in Toronto. Which, who is a Toronto rapper that we lost
1: that was really special? Like, this guy was right on the cusp of going there. Uh, that's I don't even have to think about that. It was Houdini. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember him coming into the studio um, maybe six months before he died. Maybe it was a year. Uh, it's mm-hmm. hard to keep track of time. And I realized at that point, I'm like, oh, this guy's different this guy's different. Like, just a just a vibe. Like, this guy's going places. And uh, we had a great conversation on air and off air. Um, and then, you know, you know the rest, which was a damn shame, right? Mm-hmm.
0: But it seemed like one time, like rapping was the most hazardous occupation in Toronto at one point. It might still be though. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild out there. It's just, especially remember you seen it coming from vinyl to the mixtape era to now it's in the streaming era. So it's like if they could only see where you're coming from they would understand yo fuck that leave that alone we're out here to make
1: this Well don't get it twisted right don't get it twisted yes there's street rap and drill rap that exists, you know, and I think a lot of people assume that that's what Toronto rap is because yeah. that's what you see on the blog page. But let's not forget uh, Haviah Mighty. Let's not forget Dylan Ponders. Let's not forget everybody else who's doing their thing that has nothing to do with the streets mm-hmm. or has nothing to do with ops or mm-hmm. has nothing to do with any. Uh, a R like that. Paisley, a. R. all R. these Paisley. guys. Yeah. The list can go on. There's mm-hmm. a whole other scene, and I urge people mm-hmm. to go down that. That 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 rabbit hole and and explore Toronto for what it really is. Yes, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's, it's 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 there's all kinds of shit happening. You know, there's mm-hmm. Just John who uh, you're gonna hear a lot from I think in the near future. Just a lot going on. And yeah. there's street rappers who don't have any polys, Yeah. Who have no problems with nobody and they're making good music and they're mm-hmm. still talking hood shit. Yeah. They're just not talking about smoking Ops. somebody. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you know when we say rap is a hazardous. Um, career or whatever mm-hmm. it's not rap it's the streets that are hazardous mm-hmm. and it just happens to be that some of the street guys are becoming rappers to get themselves out of the situations that they're in but like I said me even as a DJ not even that deep like that mm-hmm. I in my I know it wasn't as it it, it took something for me to realize like okay yeah. let me get out of the streets and some of these guys they can't they can't do that right mm-hmm. until it's
0: too late sometimes you know what I mean with your interviews you do on your daytime drive right now
1: right Three of your favorite unforgettable interviews. Three of my favorite. Uh, Lil' Kim. Yeah. Okay. Amazing interview. Yeah. Uh, it was just like talking to a friend and like it's Lil' Kim. So we're talking about the biggie. We're ah. talking about the bad boy, the golden era bad boy. That was a, I think me and her could have chopped it up for hours. Yeah. It was, you know, um, the Migos, probably my biggest interview. Mm-hmm. Um have seen you did that uh, a couple weeks ago. No, I did that uh, last summer. It was last summer. You know, it's crazy. So it was twice you did it then. No, uh, mm-hmm. you may see me repost some shit or yeah. whatever. Um, you know, it's crazy because this pandemic has uh, opened up a lot of opportunities because prior to this pandemic, you had to get people in the studio. They had to be in the city, in the studio, and that's how you're chopping it up with them. Yeah. With this pandemic, Zoom pops up. Everybody's on Zoom. So now artists can, they're like, yeah, you are. Sure, I'm talking to, they just line up yeah. six hours or five hours where they talk to people from different markets and you get 30 minutes with them and you just chop it up. So that's opened up the door for me to be able to do these interviews. So, you know, that's where the Migos comes from. I was able to talk to Juicy J and that was interesting because like, I don't think a lot of people realize how deep Juicy J is he's not just three six Mafia he's not just a rapper he's producing a lot of shit too and doing a lot of things so I think um, I think yeah Lil' Kim Migos Juicy Soldier Boy was interesting that's what I was about to ask you what What was it like talking to Big Draco because you know he's very
0: unpredictable
1: not my best (laughs) interview because it seemed like he was smoked out and laid out you know what I mean I wasn't getting the energy that I got from that I see you know Big Drake or Big yeah. Soldier, give you know he wasn't talking all crazy. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I pushed the envelope to get him to talk crazy Got either. It. So it was a dope interview, but yeah, I wanted to get some crazy shit out of out of Soldier Boy, but we yeah. it was dope. He was you know. He still acknowledged he was the first to do something. I can't right. remember whatever it was. So. Today I see it on Instagram. He was the first to wear
0: a black, black car. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. guy. <come. laughs> this guy. Yeah. Right. I don't think he takes himself too serious, right? Like he understands because remember
1: he is the original. Internet Oh, yeah. App. Yeah, and that's what we discussed in that interview, mm-hmm. right? Like, he is that guy that really, when it comes to the Internet, Soldier's the first dude that you remember Respected that went viral. Respected or not? Yeah. That's the man. And he knows what to do to keep himself relevant, yeah. right? Because the music might not be there all the time, but. Yeah. What's the best thing you like about working on, but
0: this is Toronto's only hip-hop station, what is it you really enjoy about working on Flow?
1: Made Toronto takeover. hmm Yeah, um, because it comes full circle for me. Um, our very first mixtape was all about making sure that we had Toronto artists on it. That continued, you know, went from Ghetto Concept and Citizen Kane to Drake and JD Era and Preem and Belly and, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it was always, you know, we were never afraid to be in a party, stop the music, and where other DJs wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, whether it be the first Drake record, uh, whether it be Pages record, whoever's record it was, um, we were never afraid to stop the party in the middle of the party and like put on mm-hmm. for the artists in our city and be proud of it. And if nobody else was turning up, we were turning up, you yeah. know what I mean? And that's infectious. So for that to come full circle at this stage in my career, where I can do that on radio and I could do it for the next generation mm-hmm. too. We're talking about the younger people and give them like, where else are they? You know, a lot of people tell me something. They're like, yo bro, I got like streaming and everything, but my mom heard the shit on the radio And that was, like, the most, like, it was a special moment for me because my mom really, like, my mom and my auntie and my family got to take in what I was doing. And no matter what I'm doing on streaming, they heard it on Flow. (laughs) Yeah. And it was just that much more special. So to hear shit like that or to hear somebody say, yo, I I heard about this artist on your show, and I went and now I'm a fan of this artist. So to see that, you know, I'm able to do that for, you know, the cats that are coming up or the cats that are already on right now it's Mm -hmm. just... You know, it's just what it's all about for me. It keeps me going, to be honest with you. For sure. Where does the radio sit in today's
0: universe where there's now streaming, there's YouTube, there's radio, there's all type of stuff. Where does the radio sit in that whole
1: universe. I mean, that's a good question, right? A lot of people say radio's dead. Radio's dead. Uh, radio's not dead. Mm-mm. Radio's absolutely not dead. At mm. any given point, I think there's like four million people or three million people in Toronto listening to radio, right? Like, yeah. We have a big population here, and you got to remember one thing: radio is free, and there are radios in cars. Even myself, I'd be like streaming something, and and radio is local. Mm-hmm. Where streaming is not, where XM is not, mm-hmm. that's not local. So you always kind of want to tap back in, even where, you know, even if it's for ten minutes. Like nobody's listening to radio for four hours straight, no yeah. more, right? Like I don't know if they, maybe there are unless people, you're probably unless driving at work, around or something. driving. Yeah. You're at your desk and you have it on, yes. But the average person listens to radios in bits and pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you still want to tap back in and, and, and kind of see what's going on, right? Um, and I think you know, radio will will continue to be relevant as long as it's free. Mm-hmm and as long as it's available in automobiles, right? Now, will the technology change? Possibly, Mm -hmm. what the future of radio lies in? I'm not quite sure, but from my perspective, um, people listen, you know? Yeah, of course, the youngins are streaming, but it doesn't change that the, I think we forget that the 35-year-old mom, is not streaming all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? She likes, you know, what's going on on radio. The real difference with streaming and
0: radio streaming, you have to go sometime put together your playlist or it might be put together. Radio
1: is a more of a no-brainer. You turn yeah. it on, you leave it, that's and it. that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I get in my car, I might listen to radio for a little bit, and then I might say, okay, let me um, throw on rap caviar or whatever it is and, and take in Spotify. But I tend to go back and forth. You know yeah. what I mean? And I'm sure a lot of people do as well. Otherwise I wouldn't have a job. Yeah. And I mean you probably wouldn't yeah. talk to <laughs> You probably You're wouldn't right. want to talk to me. So <laughs> You're right. You did a lot.
0: What's left for you in this
1: industry right now? For you to do where you uh, never touched? Maybe back into club ownership, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I have some entrepreneurial endeavors. Uh, but I think as far as the music and the culture goes now, it's time for me to maybe get into artist development, start a label. Uh, because that's where my passion lies. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm doing other things, I need something that makes me happy and that's for me. Um, so I've been, you know, I've been thinking about a few artists. I just got to be, make sure that I'm ready for that and that I can give that all my attention and all my time. But I think in the next few years, mm-hmm. uh, possibly a label or artist development or artist management is going to be in the books. Makes sense. Yeah. What's on your playlist right now? Who are you listening to? Who are you feeling? Uh uh-huh. What's in my playlist? It's a good question, man. Uh, A lot of people would think it's hip-hop, and it's absolutely not.
0: I would believe, listen, when you're surrounded by something all day, generally, generally, they don't want to go home to the same
1: thing. No, no. So I'm listening to hip-hop on the radio all day, at night, during the takeover, and in the clubs three nights a week. So when I get home, um, Baris Hammond's running. Okay. Uh, Bill Withers, Mm -hmm. heavy on my playlist. Uh, The Doors um, on my playlist. And then I, uh, if I am listening to hip-hop, I'm going back to the 90s just to remind myself of a good time. Mm-hmm. So, like, Mob Raquan, Raekwon, um, you know, just sometimes I'll even go dig into the stuff that we forget about, um, like artifacts yeah. and, and, and... Some cannabis and b- yeah, stuff. Like yeah, besides <laughs> yeah. and, and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not, like, you know, I'm listening to ESTG and 42 Doug or 42 Doug and stuff, too, here and there, but mm-hmm. if I'm going on to my, like, personal playlist it's stuff that yeah. you wouldn't expect me to be listening to for sure agree I got one last one here for, before I get you ah.
0: what's been the highest point in your career and what's been the lowest point in your career thus
1: far Um, a few years ago probably for my own fault things started like listen man we're narcissists mm-hmm. you, know <laughs> Why? I mean? you gotta explain this one DJs, promoters, rate like attention. Mm-hmm. You feed sure. off of attention, okay. whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I didn't, wasn't aware of it. Um, there was a point where I was in a business endeavor, and that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. And I was making a lot of bread. I was making a lot of like a lot of bread. Mm-hmm. And I got into a weird place, and I was like, "Man, is this, you know, I don't want to do this no more. Fuck this." Da 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 da. And I, and I, you know, I almost gave up and the phone stopped ringing for a little mm-hmm. bit too you know mm-hmm. what I mean and I was like shit this is over uh, that didn't last very long though yeah. it lasted probably about 3-4 weeks yeah. and then shit picked back up and I realized like, oh, nah, I'm not done just yet You're tripping. so that at that point in time that was a little bit of low uh, high the 18 year old kid on tour you know I had a lot of highs but I think that was the first mm-hmm. the thing that always stands out that made me say I'm not coming off of this path so that that kid because when I get back when I got back to school I was the guy like shorties that I couldn't (laughs) holler at before I was was they're hollering hollering at at you you know what I mean so um, yeah like just those high school years man where this Mm -hmm. thing all started where it was just like you know to quote the woo you know it was just also simple them times like Mm -hmm. simple times you know technology wasn't where it was now not everybody was a DJ Mm -hmm. either not everybody was a rapper. Not everybody was a producer. You had to be really about that shit. Like you had to spend money mm-hmm. um, to either buy your records or be in a record pool. And you had to lug that shit around. It wasn't a laptop in a backpack. So it was a special moment where you really had to be dedicated to your craft. And there was money available for it because there wasn't a thousand DJs. There wasn't somebody out there willing to do it for two hundred bucks or something, right? Crazy. So. Uh, it was just it was the golden era. I don't want to be one of those guys like back in the day, yeah. but that was definitely the '90s. Yeah, you know, when I when we started was I look back at that as some of the best times of my life. Yeah. I know I said last one, but
0: something came up. I know you either hosted or something to do with Jay
1: Z and Kanye West. Tell me what was that? <laughs> <like>? <laughs> uh, we did a couple parties with Hove. Uh, a couple parties We did the Hard Knock Life After Party At Gov mm-hmm. And it was crazy Because I remember uh, Memphis Bleak Was looking for weed And I sent him out. I'm like Yo go get this guy Weed real quick <laughs> Because that was Our opportunity To bring the weed In there And meet those guys mm-hmm. So meeting Hove Was smart Right Because that guy Is the goat to me um, And we were able To do that a few times um, And then Kanye Was interesting Because it was uh, The Echo Fest After Party mm-hmm. And uh I won't go too, too far with this. But we were playing uh, G-Spot, Frequency on a Sunday. Can't remember. Live there. And I think it was Ill Kids, Specs, and Jay. And maybe Baby U in there. And um, so Ludacris is in the building. Lil Jon's in the building. This is a Kanye West after party. Yeah. And so we're warming it up. We're playing you know, ludicrous records. We're playing Lil John records. Kanye walks in. We're like, all right, let, let this guy get settled in and let him get comfortable for a little bit. And then we'll go in in a Kanye set. So as we're lining up the Kanye set, yeah, this guy grabs the mic. So as he grabs the mic, we're like, all right, we're going off now. We're kind of waiting to go into, like, a whole 40-minute yay set. Yeah. This guy comes in wildin' B. This guy's talking like, what the fuck? I'm here. Kanye West is here. Y'all playing Ludacris. Y'all playing L-. And Ludacris and Lil John standing right, be- sitting right beside this guy, Hey, eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. this guy's fucking wilding at this point in time. And I'm like, me and my partner were like, who's this guy talking to? And he's- the Toronto came right back in again. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, buddy, like- mm-hmm. Who are you talking to right now? And the guy was going off on the mic. He's like, I'm going to go to a little ex's party where they preach. And I just cut the man's mic. I'm like, lock off that. And I think I got in the mic and I was like, yo, who wants Kanye in this part? And I just started talking mad, wild. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yo, get this motherfucker out of here. Some, I said some crazy shit. I can't remember what it was, but I said something, and a promoter at that time comes running to me, he's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Yo, fuck this. I don't need none of this shit. Like, you know, nobody's disrespecting me. Like, not I don't in my who it is, city. Not in my own I, city. I'm no not. Way. Especially, I'm not looking like a punk when mm-hmm. I walk out of there. You know, I think some pride was involved." And he stormed out of the party. Yeah. and then. But he was on a ride, man. He went on the radio the next day. He went on a ride about something else, too. So he yeah. was just... You know.
0: He was Kanye being Kanye. But at that time, I don't think he realized that Kanye was Kanye. At right, year. right, yeah, right. You know what right, I mean? right, right. So, Crazy. Yeah. Jay Floor I, is yours. Any shout-out, any big-ups, anything right now, leave some contacts right now before I get you out of here.
1: Uh, Shouts to everybody that's contributing um, to the culture here in the city. Shouts to everybody that's doing it uh, for the love. Um, You know, all the OGs that are still, you know, paving the way for the youngins, all the young guys coming up. Uh, stick with what you're doing. Uh, try to stay out of the pollies and the bullshit. And, and that's it, man. It shouts to everybody that shows me love. I appreciate y'all. And if y'all want to tap in with me, um, you can catch me on the Twitter, on the Gram, uh, Ricochet on there. Hopefully you'll put a little something down there where, you know people could catch yeah bro crazy and of course listen to me on the radio uh, Monday through Friday 2 to 7 the Made in Toronto Takeover Sunday through Thursday 11pm to midnight and you can catch me on King Street you can catch me in saga, you can catch me wherever you I'll be at your club somewhere, yelling into a mic, probably <laughs> with a bottle of tequila in my hand, and do it all over again week after yeah. week after week. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, bro. I'm here. <laughs> Listen, muscle, great Already freaking know. conversation. Thank Marshall. you, broski. Speaking, I'm a fan of, you, of what you
0: do, bro. I'm a fan of what you do. The That's stories and, and here.
1: everything is just not a lot of people doing what you do. You take mm-hmm. it, like you say, you take it from the beginning. To the present, which is appreciative. Everybody has a story to
0: tell. It's just who could tell their story the best. Right. And who wants to listen to the story? Because everybody has a story to yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, we you all, yeah. You understand? We all have You can't stories. be in this business for as long as you have. And not have something to say. Yeah. You understand? <laughs> yeah, you already know what it is. Ricochet. Ah, ah, ah. Thank you so very much, my brother. Thank you for having me, Broski. Appreciate no it. Problem. No problem. Let me give you an outro and get you over here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle. And this has been another Two Line Music Hut's Entertainment Report podcast. And we are out. Peace. Mm. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinesmusichut.com.